Hello and welcome into Main Street Preps this week. I'm Russell Venosi, joined as always by Tyler Palmatier, and we are back to talk more high school sports. Today with you, we've got, uh, in just a moment, we're going to have Brentwood Academy boys basketball coach Andy Blackston. His team is rolling, heading into the uh, Division II AA quarterfinal round um, of the state tournament, trying to get to the Final Four there in Cookville with a win on Saturday. And then we'll close the show with some basketball postseason and wrestling talk. Uh, but before we get to all that, I want to remind everybody this podcast is sponsored by the Tennessee Highway Safety Office. Fans don't let fans drive drunk. All right, Tyler, let's go ahead and bring in Brentwood Academy boys basketball coach Andy Blackston now. Andy, how you doing today? Russ, I'm doing good, man. How you guys? Good, Andy. Thanks. Yeah, thanks for being here, Andy. I know, hey, life at Brentwood Academy for you guys is good right now. Uh, the team is 25-3 and three with the Middle Region title in hand, and you guys have got a home game against Memphis University School this Saturday for a chance to advance to the Final Four. Is this pretty much how you drew up uh, your first season at Brentwood Academy going? <laughs> yeah, um, not really. No, um, I'm very thankful, but um, when you've, you've been coaching as long as I have, you just – you know, it's just not as much of a science as we would all love for it to be. And um, some years you have all the right stuff and, and stuff like what the year we're having doesn't happen. And some years you don't think you're going to be very good and, and you end up being pretty good. So I've tried to have a, a, just an open hand and not and, and just try to deal with each day at a time. So definitely more of, a, of an art than than a science. And Andy, that that winning expectation at BA is so high just because of the tradition there. How coming into the job, or maybe even throughout the season, how do you go about approaching that? Is it something you embrace? Do you try to just go about your business, coach your team? How do you approach that? Yeah, you know, I think it's all of those things. Um, you know, fortunately, I came from um, you know a school that had you know had won you know, six state championships in basketball. So I wasn't a stranger to, you know, winning expectations at a school that had traditions. So, um, you know, definitely an unbelievable tradition, a lot of really good teams, a lot of really good coaches, a lot of really good players. So definitely just very thankful to be a part of that. I think that the thing that's really unique about BA is simply just the pursuit of excellence in every every dimension of what we're trying to do, whether that's our discipleship, um, whether that's our academics or whether it's on the court or in the, on the fields or the, all, there's just kind of a general expectation towards excellence and striving for excellence. And then, you know, there's, there's internal pressure and it's, it's the pressure you put on yourself as a coach, regardless of probably where you're coaching. And so I've, I've always been somebody that it's had high expectations of myself. And so, you know, it was, it was, it was a bit of a natural fit, just very blessed. I mean, if you're going to be a new coach in a new situation that expects success to have this team to be your first team is, is just, is a blessing. They've, they've been a, a fun and very talented first team. And, of course, a big piece on that team is Mr. Basketball finalist Tyler Tanner. He puts on a show just night in and night out, it seems. Andy, do you ever catch yourself just sort of being in awe of the things that Tyler does on the court? Often, often. I have to I have to, to relearn uh, not to become a fan and stay, stay in coach mode, but he's a special player, very talented. Um, 
you know, had Mr. Basketball in the state of Alabama in 2009 that played at Belmont, Karan Johnson, and I had um, McDonald's All-American Josh Langford that played at um, Michigan State. And, you know, Tyler is every bit in that category as a competitor, as a super skilled point guard, and as a great teammate. So, like, he, he fits the bill. Something else, Andy, that I was impressed with when watching you guys is your big men, uh, George McIntyre and Lincoln Aholt. They pass it so well to each other inside and really just even to cutters and things like that. Is that something they were doing when you got there or is it something that they've worked on? Yeah, you know, Lincoln has kind of done a great job of positioning himself to take advantage of opportunity when it knocks. So um, his big kind of coming out party was at Lipscomb right after Christmas and um, where our, our starting post player actually got hurt. And that's Alec Rasmussen and had a high ankle sprain. And um, Lincoln was working hard and, and he stepped up. And I, I really knew from kind of the and, and, you know, I don't think he played a lot on that team last year. Um, after watching the tape, I think I think he was, um, you know, he just wasn't a big factor. And so I knew he could really pass it. Now, I didn't know he could pass it as well as he passes it. But he's probably one of the better passing big men that I've had in 21 years as a head coach. And George is just a talented athlete, man. It, he, he's he been in the starting lineup the last couple of weeks. I mean, he's, he's – uh, He's knocked all the rust off from the football days. I mean, he he's a good passer. He can score. He does a lot of things well. And I think George is – there's no moment too big for him, uh, whether you're on the football field leading a game-winning drive or you're, you know, in the final four minutes of the of the season in, in the state championship game or whatever it looks like. He's just – he's cool under pressure. And those are things that are really hard to teach. Yeah, speaking of George, he he appears to have a really bright future as a football quarterback, but he's also got a couple of uh, basketball offers as well. What kind of basketball prospect do you think George might be if you know if he wasn't so locked in on playing football? Yeah, I mean, I think he could be really good. Um, obviously, I think he's got an Arizona State offer from back in the spring AAU season, but no, he's super talented. I mean, he's just he's just a good athlete, great kid. Um, you know, obviously the high major football offers are, are going to be hard to resist, but he, he really does enjoy playing basketball. I think he um, really enjoys being a part of the team. And so um, it's, it's fun to watch him be able to do both at a high level. Speaks a lot about who he is and, and how talented he is to be, to be that good at, at two things. Yeah, you got to give credit to Arizona State just throwing a Hail Mary at George McIntyre and saying, hey, uh, maybe you'd like to come play basketball and maybe maybe you could even start the season late for us and you could play some football too. Uh, I was switching over yeah. to your backcourt. Uh, Andy, Jason Nixon's been such a great compliment to Tyler Tanner. Uh, can you highlight specifically what he does that people might not know? Yeah, I mean, um, you know, he's close to most people don't know this, but he's he's almost fifty percent from three, and he hasn't shot like five of them. I mean, he shot over a hundred, so that's a big sample size. But uh, he's he is efficient and accurate as a shooter, and he can make big shots. And so, even this year, several times in the fourth quarter, where um, teams have really you know played us well, and all the way to the fourth quarter, and it's still a game. I mean. He can. We call him daggers, man. He can. He can throw some daggers, and um, he does that well. And then 
the other thing people probably don't know is just what a great kid he is. Hopefully they do know that. But I mean, he he's just he's just a team guy. He's an unselfish guy. It'd be easy to um, to you know for jealousy or envy to to rise up, and especially you're playing with a guy like Tyler Tanner and. But that's never been the case. He's a team first guy. And then what what most people don't realize is how hard he works. Like he's a guy that literally I'm serious. Like I've never seen this much. I've had a few players do this, but every day after practice, he's the last guy to leave the gym. I mean, he's getting extra shots up. And just when a guy puts a guy like Jason puts something like that into it, um, you, you just pull for him because he's working so hard. And Andy, you played for Don Meyer, legendary Don Meyer at Lipscomb University. Uh, back then, I guess it wasn't – it may have been Lipscomb University. Was it by then, or was it still David Lipscomb College? Yeah, yeah. There? No, it was it was Lipscomb. It was 93 to 98. I redshirted for him. I was his point guard. I redshirted my first year. He always would redshirt, unless you were really, really exceptional, and I wasn't. I was a grinder. <laughs> but, um, yeah, redshirted for him, and then I played, played for four years. I ended up starting my last three years for him. What an experience that must have been. And it's really amazing to think of all the area coaches who also played for Coach Meyer. I mean, there's there's Clancy Hall at Hendersonville, Pete Froden at Hillwood, uh, Kenyatta Perry at East Robertson, John Pierce at Nashville Christian. Of course, uh, Ricky Bowers, now, the, now just the athletic director at Innsworth, played uh, for Meyer as well. I guess, can you – two-part question for you, Andy. Can you describe – what Coach Meyer's impact was on you and your philosophies, and and maybe why so many of his players went on to become coaches themselves. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, now, I mean, probably nobody other than my parents has had a bigger impact on me just as a person. I mean, when you play for Coach Meyer, man, like it was really about a lot of life wisdom, and when you when you really bought into kind of what he was selling. Man, it just you created so many habits and, and at the time you don't even realize it, but that sets you up for success in the future. And whether it's taking notes, picking up trash, um, just the value of of just working hard every day and hitting a lick every day and all these things that he taught. Um, now he also if he knew that you wanted to coach, I mean he loved coaches. Now he, you know, you go to a lot of these clinics and some of the bigger named coaches normally don't share a whole lot. They kind of talk in vague generalities and, but coach Meyer would give it all. I mean, he would open up the whole, the whole cupboard, man. And he would, he would give you everything we did. And, and coaches just loved him. They loved going to his clinics. He was funny, had that dry humor and just very intelligent. And so like, I'm a freshman and, and I'm going to watch Pat Summit practice with Coach Meyer with some other guys. And I'm going to watch Dean Smith. And I'm in, we're in Coach K's locker room at Duke and we're driving up to see Patino at Kentucky. And Roy Williams is doing the coaches clinic and Tubby Smith is doing the coaches clinic um, on campus. I mean, it was a basketball school. I mean, it was year round. He loved the game gave a lot to the game and um that's you know that's why he's a legend but i look back on my coaching career um and man him and probably i would say lenny acuff who i, I work i took my first job for lenny acuff the current you know coach at lipscomb university and just having those two guys to learn from and to be mentors from have really have really blessed my life and you know just i think really helped me as a coach I've got I've got a couple of things for you, Andy. Before we get you out of here, we got a few extra minutes. Um, I wanted yeah. to ask a little bit more about the Lipscomb day. 
days. Uh, I had to do some quick research because I don't exact. I don't remember. I wasn't around when maybe when Lipscomb switched from NAIA to to NCAA. But what were those years like watching them when they were NAIA? Uh, I mean, pe- a lot of people don't know how, how powerful that um, whole group of teams was for a long time. Yeah, you know the whole landscape's just kind of always changing, and so whether it's NIL or one-time transfer rule, or um, but back in the late eight, you know seventies, late eighties, early nineties, I mean the NIA was rocking, especially in Nashville because you had Belmont, Rick Bird, you had Coach Meyer at Lipscomb, you had Trevecca, you had Coach Harris with a really good program, and you know you still had Birmingham Southern in the NAIA. You had Oklahoma City that was getting Division One transfers. I mean, you had Oklahoma Baptist. I mean, there was so much. You know, and since then, a lot of people have gone Division One. A lot of people have gone Division Two. A lot of schools have, and so I mean, it's still really good. But man, there was a you know, and it was before the Titans got got there. So um, you know, it was really it was really a packed houses. You know, we played at the old McQuitty Gym, and man, it's like playing in the old Hoosiers Gym. It was really neat and. The crowds were big and, and loud, and it was just – it was a lot of fun. And it was it was really good basketball with really good players and really good coaches. Yeah, you can't beat uh, small school cross-town basketball. I'm, I mean, it's it's really unique in, in, in what it does. Last thing, Andy, we'll get, thanks for joining us, and, and we'll get you out here. But you guys yeah. had uh, former BA stars Darius Garland and Brandon Wright in the building recently. Um, what was that like having those two guys back and, you know, directly kind of interacting with your players right before the postseason. Uh, that's awesome. You know, I got to know Brandon when I first got to town and uh, had definitely got to know Darius a little bit. He stopped by practice early. And um, now they're just, they're just good dudes. And, um, you know, we forget they're just, they're just people. I mean, they, they do something that's re- they're really, really good at what they do, uh, but they're solid guys. And so Darius really spoke into our team about, you know, just the high school experience and how important it is and, you know, how, how to approach things as a high school, you know, player. And obviously had a lot of success here under Coach Smith, another really, really uh, Hubie Smith that coached here. So, um, but it's, it's neat. It's neat to have guys that have reached the pinnacle of their, you know, profession to be involved in your program and to be around your program, and to have graduated from it and to care about it. And so it, it's just been fun, fun to see those guys interact. Well, Andy, we appreciate all the insight today, and best of luck this weekend as your team uh, tries to give it a go there to get to the Final Four. We'll, uh, we'll be keeping well, close tabs I, on that. Yeah, man, I, I appreciate all you guys do just for high school sports to to make it important for the kids and the coaches and the publicity and you know, big city. But you guys are you guys have got a great niche, and just want you to know, really appreciate you guys making it important for the kids. We're happy to do that. Thanks, Andy. That has been Brentwood Academy boys basketball coach Andy Blackston. Uh, Great interview there. We are going to take a quick break and then come back with some basketball postseason and wrestling state talk. So stick around. It was just a few drinks. I'm good. I thought it was good. After every game, we always have a few. It's no big deal. It was no big deal. Hey, I can hold my liquor. I 
thought I could hold my liquor. It's just a few cocktails at happy hour. It was just a few cocktails at happy hour. You're <laughs> <laughs> really good try. There aren't any cops around. I didn't think there were any cops around. I drink and drive all the time. Sir. Sir, you've been in a serious crash. I'm just gonna hang on, okay? Love your hands, sir. A game without a crowd is just a scrimmage. A performance without an audience is just a rehearsal. Without your presence, high school sports and the performing arts aren't possible. Ensure that these essential extracurricular activities continue to enrich the lives of students in Tennessee. Purchase a ticket to your local high school's game or performance. This message presented by the TSSAA. We have reached prime time when it comes to postseason basketball as the district tournaments wrap up and the region tournaments get started. Of course, Division Two is already uh, done with its region tournaments for the most part in starting the first round and the quarterfinal round of the state tournaments. Tyler, you put together a list of some matchups that could be brewing um, here in the postseason, ones that you think would draw incredible crowds. Um, I know I've been in a couple of games this year where uh, the crowds have been awesome and the kind of, and we've had such a mild winter that, you know, when it's 60 degrees outside and you've got a thousand or 2000 people crammed into a gym, it, it does get pretty hot and sweaty, but that's uh, part of the fun. Can you kind of just run down some of these games that, uh, that you put on this list and maybe why, why we think they'd be fun matchups. Yeah, I think the weather's definitely making it having a mental effect on people. You know, it's making you feel like it's that first, second week of March when basketball really sort of, you, know, you really sense it because everybody's in all the colleges and high schools are in this, this early part of the postseason. But um, yeah, I don't know. I'm looking down the list right now. I mean, obviously some of the D2 predictions uh, or they're not predictions, you know, these are just hopeful. These are things we hope happen, but you know, the, it would right. be tough uh, with the division twos because of the reseeding. But you know, if you get Brentwood Academy NBA, a rematch of the uh, 2021 finals, that would be awesome. I'm looking sticking with D2A if you get a Clarksville good pasture rematch I mean that's that's really good you're talking about it I know Clarksville Academy's close but good pasture had been so good all year I, I think that would be an interesting rematch to see just how the coaches and the players uh I don't know just how it unfolds you've got maybe maybe a complete reset in terms of maybe what the coaches think of in terms of game plans and things like that and obviously the players Eddie Ricks the third at Clarksville Academy so so entertaining and then uh good pasture with uh, Isaiah West headed to Vanderbilt and, and that other cast of guys uh, who are so good. Um, yeah, those two come to mind. I thought I, Hillsboro Independence would be really good on the boys' side. That's two teams we've had in the top five or six all, almost all year, at least for the last two months. And that, that would be a 4A region championship. Um, and you're talking about two teams that are trying to get over a hump to get back to the state tournament. I know Hillsboro would have played in 2020, but you know, that's a coulda, shoulda, woulda type thing for all those teams. Unfortunately, it's like you just, you know, they made it that far, but didn't get their chance to, to keep going. Um, you know, on the girls side, uh, we could get coffee County and Blackman, which would be another matchup between teams we've had in the top five for a long time. And, uh, 
the, the Hillsborough Beach potential rematch in the in a sectional would be interesting because that was a close game last year, and um, Hillsborough's got an itch to get back into the state tournament. Uh, of course, kind of another revenge game on this list would be Harpeth Hall and Innsworth if that were to that were to come about with Harp, Harpeth Hall upsetting uh, Innsworth girls last week. Definitely one of the big surprises of the postseason so far. Uh, yeah, those are some, I mean, it's fun to think about and there's probably, you know, there's probably five, six more that, that I could have included. Um, and obviously none of these, these don't all have to happen, but it would be, they'd be fun. They'd be a lot of fun. And I think they, they definitely would, would draw a crowd. I, and I don't know, Russell, if you've got any others that have been on your mind. Uh, yeah, you well, one. the best crowd I've seen all season was the Hillsborough East Nashville crowd. Of course, those teams are not in the same classification, so they are not going to meet again, but uh, East Nashville could meet Pearl Cone again. Those those games have been close. Um, I know Pearl Cone was upset by White's Creek in the district semifinals, so that kind of threw things off. Um, Pearl Cone and East Nashville looked like they were on a collision course again, but uh, I know that matchup and the matchup with Hillsborough probably would have drawn fans regardless, but it looks like East Nashville has really picked up a lot of community support. I know on the football side they did the past couple seasons, but the basketball team too seems like they've done the same thing. I remember last year going to a couple of their games and it was crowded, but like their sectional game wasn't, wasn't ridiculously packed. Like you could still find a seat at least. Uh, But now it seems like anytime I've been there, you've been there, we've seen someone else be there or just pictures or some videos from games. uh, Cause there's always so many highlights coming out of East Nashville. Um, It looks like there's never a seat to be had in that place at all. And I know it's not a big gym. It only holds about 1300 people, but they have picked up, um, quite a few extra fans along the way over these past few years. And for good reason, they're a super fun team to watch, but I just think that's, that's one observation I've got there. Um, I was also at a, uh, a well-attended game last night, uh, Hendersonville and beach up there at beach and Hendersonville pulled out a uh, 53 to 51 win for their first district championship since 2003. Of course, none of the players uh, on the current team were born at that point. So pretty cool moment for them the celebration kind of resembled a celebration you'd see for maybe going to a state tournament, maybe winning the state tournament. That was a, a really a program defining moment for them to kind of get over that hump and to finally uh, win a district title, especially over beach, which is just a, you know, a power there in Sumner County for the last five, 10 plus years. Um, so that was a great crowd. And if they met again, if they somehow met again, I'm sure it would be, um, you know, in the region in the region finals there, but um, also want to pass along, just our thoughts and concerns and prayers for Hendersonville coach, uh, former coach, uh, Russ Plummer, who led, led the soccer team to, I think, three state championships, over 800 total wins, several runner-up finishes. He's just a legend in that community and really just the Tennessee soccer community at large. He collapsed um, on the sideline last night about midway through the second quarter. Of course, medical people quickly attended to him. I guess if something like that is going to happen, it, it was – great that there was medical people on hand to, to deal with it, but uh, just a scary scene. He was taken to the hospital obviously, and uh, wish him the best. Uh, the last update that I've got is that he was still undergoing te- tests and everything to see kind of what, what had happened. So anyways, we're thinking about him and um, you never want to see anything like that happen anytime, especially um, at a game like that. But it was neat to see the, the medical personnel um, help him very quickly there. So that was a relief, but um, I don't know, Tyler, any, any other games that stick out to you on this list? I think we've kind of, we've kind of run down most of them here. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a ton of good games. It just happens. And there's ones you don't expect. You were at one last night. That's a perfect example. You've got a team that 
sometimes we breeze over the district championships because there's so much of the postseason to be left. But when you have a program like Hendersonville that hasn't won one since 2003, that's um, that's not small potatoes for a program like that. And it can change the momentum there. <clears throat> and you just never know <clears throat> who could what that could do. You know, could that spark a little bit of a deeper run? <clears throat> so good, good for Hendersonville. And, you know, those games can shoot we're talking about all these games that could happen there's one that happened last night that was really good um or you know a close well played you know re regionally schools are regionally really close matchup so um no nah, i mean there's uh, there'll be plenty <clears throat> of good games for us to check out um it always happened there'll be some that are going to jump up and surprise us um i guess before we get out here uh, i wanted to look back at at the division two with with the division one wrestling individual championships ahead this week maybe look back at division two last week um it, father ryan had a chance to sweep that the the individual championship and the duels uh that didn't get it done won the duels came up short in in the individuals last week just a little bit i'm not sure they couldn't have won it based on talking to some father Ryan coaches that just had a few guys that didn't quite get to the finals but <clears throat> Still had a good showing. Uh, you know, Kaysen Rourke got a title. Joe Calvin got a title. Chancery Dean got a title. Uh, that's, you know, that's always good when you've got a few guys in your program winning like that. And Kaysen Rourke, for those who don't know, the sophomore at 132 is going to be a big time. He's going to have an opportunity at big time collegiate wrestling. Uh, he's a true talent. And when you talk to people around there about what they think of him, I mean, everybody just kind of shakes their head. So definitely a special athlete that Father Ryan is is bringing is bringing through there still got a few more years um and of course kind of one you know nba ends up placing third at at the tournament as a team basically because its last four guys three of its last four guys sorry let me rephrase this their last the last four matches were all with nba wrestlers three of those four won championships um so they end up surging there at the end just with all those wins and it, it was pretty cool uh you had the two fisher brothers wrestling and could almost mistake them as twins especially when you see them as uh seniors on the roster but they're just about a year apart max was held back a little bit as the as they transitioned out of home school so that was a neat story enjoyed writing that up and um you know you also had a browning trainer a really good linebacker for nba who just who hasn't ever even placed at wrestling before come out and win a state title that's not easy to do um so that that was cool to see jonathan moore was also in, in the finals came up short uh uh, against uh, against a Baylor athlete who was who was really good, so uh, yeah, it was. It, I think that championship is as is as fun as it as it gets. You know, I mean, uh, that setup at NBA is really good with the uh, you know with the seating. Obviously, the gym is just amazing. That Burke Holder Center is state of the art, incredible. Um, but I'm kind of excited this week to go watch Division One because uh, I think a lot of big wrestling championships are kind of like this. They're held in big expansive places this one's at an expo they're almost in you know everybody kind of jokes that it's the barn or i don't what does everybody call the one in frank what does everybody call that it's got a nickname yeah the i'm not sure or something i forget <laughs> but uh you know it's um it's really not fair those are those big old venue or big venues are are fun to hold the wrestling championships in there's so much competition going on they're just the energy just like permeates the whole building so i'm i have not covered that event here yet so i'm excited to do that and uh completely different atmosphere than what i saw last week with a smaller private school championship to a, a bigger public school setting 
So I'm, I'm excited to see that. Yeah. I got to cover that last year there at the Williamson County Ag Expo and it was awesome. I mean, it's chaotic. So just prepare yourself. There's people everywhere mm-hmm. and you're trying to, you're trying to run down people for interviews. I remember just kind of going up and down the stands and trying to get parents to help me track down their, uh, their wrestler to talk to them. But no, it was awesome. I mean, you've got so much action going on at once. I think there's like four mat is at least four mats. Maybe, maybe for the finals, it might've been four, but for, mm-hmm. you know, in the preliminary rounds, there's tons of mats out there. And um, yeah, I was, I was blown away by how many people were in attendance. I mean, the parking lot, you had to walk almost half mile, a mile to get into the place just because there were so many people. So mm-hmm. you'll have fun doing, doing that. And uh, we've also got the G Nash hockey finals tonight on Wednesday at uh, Bellevue ice center, uh, Mount Juliet, the Mount Juliet co-op team is playing Ravenwood. So all kinds of fun stuff. Uh, February, March really are exciting months. Um, after kind of a little bit of a lull after football, it, it's really picking up now for us. Yeah. The hockey and the wrestling really underrated championships both kind of happen in these couple of weeks. Uh, hockey. Uh, I've only covered a little bit of it, but definitely some great atmospheres. All right. Well, we will have coverage of all that stuff on mainstreetpreps.com this week. So be sure to check that out. And uh, we appreciate everybody tuning in today, and we'll see you back here next time on Main Street Preps this week.